I spend no time thinking about Garfield. Uh, hello, and welcome to Good Bad Show. My name is Andy. And I'm Matt. And this is a show where Matt and I are just too cool for you. We're so disaffected. We, you, don't, you don't affect us. That's what disaffected means. That's the definition of the word. It's right in the word. It's right there. I'm so cool. I'm not even listening to what Andy's saying. Yeah. I mean, why cares? would you? Too, you're too boring for cool guys like me. So cool. Ooh, so cool. Number one guy. I am number one guy. I don't know if you've, I've explained that to you, but if I've ever been in a group of people, consider me number one guy. I don't think you've explained it to me. Can you go into a little more detail? So what it means is if there's multiple guys, uh-huh. I'm number one guy. Yeah. And like, you know, what does that, what does that, you know, mean? You know, like what, what, is, what, what does that actually grant you? The biggest chicken wing. Mm, number one chicken wing for number one yeah. guy. Otherwise, not totally clear on that. I just want that to be known. You just want it to be known. You're number one. Yeah. If it, I guess if, it, if someone asks, if they're like, who is, like, what's the hierarchy here? Oh, who, what's uh, the order? What's Hillary? Who's, who's the number one guy on the podcast? That, that would be Matt. Matt is unfortunately the number one guy on the podcast. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. So fortunately. Well, I mean, she doesn't. You get to look, have, she doesn't want to know she's not. You know, engaged to the not number one guy. I'm like the number two guy in this podcast. I can't admit that. You know. I mean, look, it, there's only two guys. Like, you can't. You're not number three in the podcast. It's number two is fine. There's nothing wrong with number two. First not who I want to lose. Not what I want to be, but you know, it's fine for you. <laughs> it's good for you. You know, you <laughs> yeah. you, you tried your best. <laughs> yeah, it's good for Andy. You know. Yeah, Matt. Tonight, I want to discuss hipsterism oh that's uh that's a really boring topic is that a really boring topic i don't know but i feel like if i think it's boring You're if i actually trying to boring, be disaffected it makes me cooler, Ooh, makes me cooler. you got me you smart little devil you uh, also you i don't even snake. that word what does that even mean i'm not a hipster i don't know about those people well so that's where we that should term. start so first of all do you not consider yourself a hipster because you do love kombucha mm, i do but now I feel like, do, what, do you age out of history at some point? Matt, you do have a collection of artisanal hot sauces. That I do. I do have that. Mm-hmm. You do uh, have a beard. Yep. So, I mean, evidence is stacking up. I don't live in Williamsburg. Yeah, but you don't live in New York at all, so that doesn't really count. I mean, Philadelphia's kind I... of just the Williamsburg of the East Coast, am I right? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't wear plaid. Mm, that's true. I don't ride a bike. And it's also true. I don't buy other artisanal foods as much as you do. That is also true. I mean, so... Is this a competition? No, no, no. No, no, it's not a competition. It's a discussion amongst friends. Why would we... Everything's a competition with you, you sportsman. No, we're yeah. just talking here. Oh, yeah. I like sports, and therefore hipsters don't like sports. They're too okay. cool and disaffected Check and like mate. sports. Check and yeah. mate. You got me. Yeah. You say things like sports ball makes you the ultimate hipster. It's like, uh, you know, you probably think that's funny. The number of times I've actually said sports ball versus the number of times you have impersonated me by saying something, something, something sports ball. Yeah, that the, the scales are tilted towards you there. Here's the thing, Andy. Do you, do you think I know the difference between a thing you said and a thing I made fun of you assuming you would say? Nah, touche. It's a very narrow but line. It's kind of, who knows, man? There's a lot that's been said. Whether it came out of your mouth or came out of my mouth, making fun of you, it's all, it's all just blended in the same character at this point. Yeah, I mean, I have a lot I want to unpack here, but I think, uh, I think most people... Looking from the outside in, the, the average person in America, whether you take mean, median, or mode, would probably, yeah. I think, would probably look at you and say you're somewhat of a hipster, and they would definitely look at me and think I was a hipster. Like that's, I think that's fair. 
I mean, I have a freaking mustache. That is as hipster as it gets, right? You have a mustache. You were talking about getting a tattoo of a cast iron pan. You have, yeah, you have those shorts that are like not not like long enough to be like '90s cool, like short enough to be hipster cool. I do wear know? short shorts. Yep. I got I got shorts to go to the gym, Matt. And uh, in my mind, when I when I you know joined the gym, I was like, I didn't own any athletic wear. And in yeah. my mind, I pictured the exact shorts I wanted, right? The exact shorts I wanted were these, like, swishy satin shorts that were, like, not only super short, but, you know, they have that kind of, like, scalloped cut on the outside of the hip such that... Like the kind of shorts, like, a Wilt Chamberlain would wear. Pretty <laughs> like much, That kind yeah. of, like, old-timey basketball This short. is what I was picturing, which I both wanted, you know, to be on brand with my hipster self, and I also wanted because it seemed very breathable and appealing to me. Yeah. So I did a little research, and I found out that these shorts uh, have a very special name, and that name is Ranger Panties. Well, that's uh, that's not the most flattering name. Yeah, so I have two really, pairs of really Ranger sound... Panties now. Ranger Panties don't sound like a thing you wear in public, you know? Well, I, I do. I'm out there swinging my legs around, doing my yeah. sit-ups and my squats and my push-ems and my pull-ems, and I'm yeah. wearing my panties. Well, I'll do it. Look. I don't. I don't judge. Anyway, you all mounting evidence fine. that I fit a lot of the descriptions of a hipster. Yeah, I ride the bike. Got the dog. Do hipsters have dogs? Is that a thing? No, I think I think most people have. Like I think people like dogs have dogs. I feel like that's not a thing. Okay. But I think you wearing your scallop shorts, riding your bike with your with your mustache around. Well, I don't know. If you even even going ten to twenty miles an hour, you can spot that. Yeah. Matt, how would you, how do you understand the term hipster? How would you define it? The modern version of hipster? Yeah, I don't think we're talking about, like, the origins of the word in, like, the beat poet circles or whatever in, like, the 60s in Manhattan. I'm talking, like, now, when you hear someone say hipster, what do you think they mean? I think they mean that guy who lives in Williamsburg who has the mustache, who's probably got some some clothes that are, like, traditionally ugly, but they've decided that, ironically, these are going to work. Maybe they're a little bit too baggy for them. Either they're a little bit too baggy or they're a little bit too short. Maybe they have a baggy short, baggy shirt with short shorts. That works together. Uh, maybe they're doing things based on nostalgia and not love. Maybe they're doing things based on irony, not love. Like, I feel like a lot of it is, like, uh, not loving a thing. Actually, specifically not loving a thing. They're like, well, I'm doing it because whatever. It's ironic. It's dumb. It's cool because it's dumb. Uh, it was on Nickelodeon one time. So you mentioned some very key words there for me, which like ironic and nostalgia, I think, uh, the irony especially. I think a lot of people, their definition internally of hipsterism, whether they've kind of like made peace with it or not, is that it's somebody that like, you know, their cultural affectations are because they want to be different. And in order to be different in a culture where everybody's cultural you know, alignments are so public, uh, and, like, there's really, like, I don't know, I feel like pop culture is very different now and much more broad than it used to be. Like, pop culture used to just be the thing that everyone knew about, and so it was relatively easy to identify as not the pop culture thing, but now, like, is a very popular podcast pop culture? I mean, in the grand scheme of culture, like, no one's listening to podcasts still. Like, you know, My Brother, My Brother and Me is not a like a mass media thing that like any more than one percent of the population of the country is listening to uh and yet i would consider it pop culture because of the circles that i run in so i feel like uh that's most people's like kind of core foundational understanding is somebody that's like trying to 
go against the grain of the culture. And now in our current era, like it's so difficult to do that and still have any identity. So you're forced to like adopt things that are like bad. Yeah. I think that's like, like those things. Yeah. The version of that when I was a kid was liking very obscure bands, but now every band's an obscure band. So what are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to do with that information? Just like dumb stuff? The, um, so there's a couple of things I want to touch on here. One of the things I want to touch on is uh, Max Temkin's, uh, I think he calls it his unified theory of, of hipsters. Which, is that the uh, Cards Against the Humanity creator? Uh, yeah, he's one of the many creators, but I believe he's like the president. He's like the operational yeah, leader okay. of Cards Against Humanity. Uh, he's got a podcast called Do By Friday, where on a past episode, he has espoused his universal theory of hipsters, which I'm just cribbing from him now. But when he said it, it made sense to me. I thought it was very interesting. And his, his like understanding of like what hipster culture is as he puts it is basically like you know every generation had like a counterculture right uh if you know the dominant thing was certain type of music then you had punk rock or you had hippies or you had you know some culture of it you could like align yourself with uh like the early days of hip-hop and rap where you were like you were part of a culture that was intentionally against the main culture uh and it was something that was like a grassroots thing that couldn't really be sold back to you right like like mm-hmm. you, it's like a the whole point of it is that it's just like authentic thing it's authentic counterculture it's rooted in some kind of like philosophy or you know some idea and it's not the sort of capitalist consumer primary culture uh and his sort of theory is that the modern hipster is shaped by the fact that in the era of like immediate of a, of a globalization and like immediate manufacturing and like the internet and like an instant communication that no idea survives as a true counterculture for longer than 10 minutes before it can immediately <laughs> be sold back to you. Right. Uh, sure, and, okay. and you know, his point is that like when, when a new March is announced on DC, you know, 10 minutes later, someone is selling pins and t-shirts or whatever related to that March. Like every idea, every culture is immediately capitalized and sold back to you. Uh, and like you know, sucked sucked dry of all of its value by by sort of the the capital system. And so his idea of what a modern hipster is is that it's somebody that has been forced by the fact that every culture that you could possibly adopt is immediately sold back to you and turned into a commercial enterprise has been forced to like intentionally like crappy things, go buy <laughs> like used destroyed clothes at a thrift store because like they can never sell it back to you. And they try, right? You, you can buy jeans with holes already in them. Uh, but, you know, you do that. You listen to, like, you insist that vinyl records uh, are, in fact, the best way to listen to music because that's something that there is no market for and they're not going to, like, I think there's still one factory in the world left that's, like, manufacturing vinyl records or maybe one factory in the country and they only do it for, like, boutique bands that are, like, making a statement but putting something out on vinyl. Like, you like the stuff that is the hardest to possibly sell back to you as, like, a minor protest against the capital system. Uh, and that's kind of the root of the modern the modern hipster. Hmm. Is that uh, that that sounds that sounds really good, but it also sounds like uh, it was constructed in reverse. Whereas, like, does anyone does anyone know that they're doing that, or is that just like uh, I don't know? Is it is it just like running away from everything else, and that's where you're left? You're well, I don't, left I don't think it has to be of... conscious to be true, right? Like, I think yeah. no one could know that that was the case, but someone could do a doctoral thesis in 20 years that you know studied the cultural phenomenon of this time and you know prove 
with evidence that this was in fact what was going on and that you know you can connect all of the all the facets of hipster i mean right like like a fixie bike like a fixie bike is just a basically a worse bike if you're riding on the streets and i know people like them because if they feel a certain way to ride but you know it, in all like you're never gonna see a fixie bike at walmart because it's super dangerous you would just like people crash them and you get hurt immediately like you're intentionally yeah. adopting pieces of culture that like just can't be sold back to you it's your little protest to like be part of the thing that is not ever going to be part of commercial pop culture and just the the extreme broadening of what constitutes like commercial pop culture means that people that want to be part of a counterculture have been forced further and further into the fringe until you know yeah. like you said you're wearing a oversized uh winnie the pooh sweatshirt with your like homemade <laughs> jorts that are really tight and you're like 30 year old dirty chuck taylors and you're riding your fixie that you made a fixie yourself by spraying liquid nails into the into the freewheel uh you're riding that down you know down the center of the street backwards because that's the only way you can possibly be a member of a counterculture in yeah. 2018 and i feel well so the interesting thing about that is that it seems like that is dead soon enough anyway because uh it's not like i don't think hipsters reject the internet despite like maybe jokingly using a typewriter or whatever uh, well, I mean, look at like uh, weird Twitter and deep fried memes and like some of these weird subsets of the Internet where I feel like there's this intentional like to warping of the medium. Like the, to me, that's like the equivalent of hipsterism on the Internet to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I like this Twitter account where, you know, this guy just tweets completely incomprehensible sentences about like the Gulf War combined with their favorite clips from you know, crash bandicoot. Like, like, well, yeah, what, but, but I was, where I was going with that was that <clears throat> if you're also participating in the internet where like the, we're just selling data, right? We're not selling uh, a brand new thing and you buy the old crappy thing. It's just data and who cares? Uh, whether you like a thing that is good or bad, does it really matter? You're just like, you're just more data and it's, it's this like impossible cycle because it doesn't care. It doesn't care what it's showing you. It doesn't care if you showing you the dankest of the memes or the dumbest of memes. It's going to show you your dumb thing. It'll spit it back at you, and you're just in this uh, perpetual cycle of, of your own dumb thing that you don't actually really care about that much, and you're, like, trapped. You're trapped by that. Mm, it's possible. So how much of your morbid fascination with things like Little Xan, for example, do you mm -hmm. think is part of this same, like, thread? Like... Like you didn't, do, do you unironically like Lil Xan? We did a Lil Xan episode a while ago. Uh, yeah. But like, I don't get a sense that you truly like the music. We've talked about how it's like bad music and, you know. Yeah. But you've nonetheless spent more time listening to, reading about, researching, you know, going deep on this particular artist, probably more so than many artists you actually like because yeah. of this like fascination. Do you think that's a similar motivation or a similar, coming from a similar place? I think it's different because the only reason I'm interested is because he's popular. If he weren't popular, I don't think I would care. So it has to, like it has to have that core of being popular for me to go, what's this whole thing about? Like it's it's looking at a thing that makes no sense to me and going, but this has 40 million views or whatever. I need to understand this, which I think is different than like looking at a crappy Winnie the Pooh t-shirt and saying, this is bad. I need to have it. Is that fair? Yeah. Or do you think they're related? Do you think they're related? Uh, that's, mm, that's a good question. I don't know. Because, I, I mean, there you could, I guess, make the argument that, like, Winnie the Pooh is a popular character. There's some fashion. It would be like you 
I don't know. Even like you go deep on Garfield, even though you hate I it. I don't. I spend no time thinking about Garfield. You have gone so much deeper on Garfield than I've ever gone. We recorded a whole episode about it. You know a lot about it. You did a lot of research. I on didn't it. do any research. That was just like stuff that came into my came into my sphere. I, I genuinely spend no time thinking about Garfield. Okay. All right. You know, sure. Except you for how much you make fun of me about it. I mean, it's just like it's a real. It's it's just such an easy button. You're basically you just basically have like a Garfield button tattooed on your forehead that you can just push and you go ah. It's I'm funny. glad you appreciate it. Yeah, I I'm, really I'm, do. I'm but here to dance when you press my Garfield button. Yeah, I it, look. Even your future wife realizes this and probably pushes it at home all the time. No, if she doesn't. Actually, she never does. <laughs> what? So she only does it via text message with all your friends. Okay. No, all actually, right. we actually surprisingly don't really have a culture of like teasing in our relationship. Partially because really? she grew up an only child and does not like to be teased, and so as a result, she doesn't tease me either. Which really? is, you know, not a thing. It's not a thing we do. Should Should I teach her? Oh, by should all I means. Teach you both. By all do means. You need, do you need to learn about this? I feel like this oh, is a very important. I grew up thing. in a big family. I know how it works. Trust me. You don't have to do any teaching to do to me. But uh, oh yeah, the guy with the Garfield button in his forehead knows about teasing. I understand. Oh, for but, sure. Yeah. Uh, okay, so you don't care about Garfield and you don't know anything about it. I understand that. Maybe that was a bad example, but I could I could see you making a similar argument about the. I mean, the, the room shirt. is another good example, right? The room is a thing that is like, you know, on its surface, a very terrible thing that you would assume no one could like unironically. Uh, yeah, I have gotten to the point where I definitely do unironically like the room. Like, I mean, I guess it depends on like how strict you're going to define the word irony, but like. I like it as a cultural thing. Again, we had an episode about this. You can go listen back to it. I like it as this cultural artifact that says something about humanity, even if it's not the thing that the artist necessarily intended to say about humanity. Uh, like, yeah. I, I actually genuinely like it. Yeah. So I, I think there's... I still think that one falls in the category of, like, I have this deep fashion fascination about this weird thing that I don't understand, and so you go deep on it, versus this is dumb, and therefore I'm going to put it on. Now... You went to art school. I assume you sure. knew many people that fit this kind of hipster definition. Yeah, sure. These people that you knew, did they actually ever, like, transparently to you say that this is why they were liking these things? Like, it's kind of a, you know, giving the middle finger to the culture to, like, like this thing because I know it's bad. I don't no, actually like Winnie the that's Pooh. Never, that's never, ever happened. I've never had anyone ever say, here's why I wear this dumb thing. You, I've only had someone explain that to me if they genuinely liked the dumb. Like, well, yeah. there is the phenomenon of genuinely liking a dumb thing and just being the person who is like, I know everyone thinks it's dumb. I just like it. But I think that is a different thing. I've only had someone genuinely explain to me why they like a thing that is dumb. I've never had someone explain to me, I hate this dumb thing too, but it's my only form of communication with the world. So do you just think that the people that uh, fit this bucket of like liking a thing or like pretending to like a thing that they actually don't like that is bad... Uh, do you think these people are just like they haven't been honest with you about why they like it? Because like, honestly, I'm not totally convinced. This is not just a straw man that's been constructed by society to explain something that pe most people don't understand. Because everybody I have, known, I'm not, I'm not close to anyone that is like that. I've known peripherally people that are like that, and maybe oh. that's just me putting that on them. I don't. I'm not close to anyone who fits this description as. Uh, as well as uh, maybe I would hope. Like I don't have I don't have a true hipster friend to be like what What's your whole deal? What are you doing? You know? See, I definitely did when I was in college, and I, I mean, I kind of think this idea that people like are pretending like they don't actually like something. They're like liking it because they think it's so unlikable that liking it makes them interesting. Like I don't 
actually think that's a thing. I kind of think that's a straw man that people have built up because they are uncomfortable with the idea that a certain group of the population likes things in a different way than they like things, right? Like the people I've known Mm -hmm. that wear the oversized Winnie the Pooh sweatshirt and the jorts and, you know, ride the bike around, like they genuinely love all those things, right? Like in some ways it's, it's almost like pure. They're like, look, I loved Winnie the Pooh growing up. I found this great Winnie the Pooh sweatshirt at the thrift store that cost $4. I don't yeah. care about what you think about me because I'm going to wear this thing at six sizes too big just because I really like Winnie the Pooh. And, you know, like they – I don't know. It's like I never met somebody that wasn't like genuinely interested in all of those things. Uh, and so yeah. that makes me kind of wonder like wh- where is the line between like a hipster and just like a nerd whose like nerdy interests mm. happen to not be Star Trek but instead be like sitcoms from the 90s or – you know, whatever the latest hipster thing is. Well, actually, I have to say, I one thing I didn't point out about myself is today I was walking around wearing a T-shirt from one of my favorite podcasts, and it's a guy Talk holding two talk. cats. Uh, oh, I wish. No, it's a Doughboys T-shirt, and it's the host, one of the hosts of Doughboys holding his two cats and has a big heart that says Dream Mitchie on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were walking down the street today, and uh, we walked by my wife's boss, and she pointed at it and was like, that's really funny. And uh, I wonder if in her mind she thought that's a hipster thing to do. But if you ask me about it, I genuinely love that show. I think Mitch is great. And that's why I bought the shirt. Wait, was this a, is a thing of recognition? Did she recognize the Doughboys brand? No, it was just I have a cat. I have a, sh- I have a shirt with two cute cats on it and a big heart, which I think is maybe not what you'd expect out of me. Sure, that could look a little hipster. Yeah. But I think to your point, if I have to, if, if somebody's going to ask me about it, I just say, I love the Doughboys. I think the Doughboys is a great podcast. So I buy the shirt that they have because I think it's, I think you should support the things that you like. Yeah. But I, I don't know. Wait, you, okay, here's the thing. You've met a lot of my friends. You spent a lot of time with a lot of my friends. Mm-hmm. Did anyone stand out to you as like uh, a, a truer definition of hipster to you that you'd be like, oh, Matt, you're just not identifying it. No, of your, like, immediate close group of friends that I know, I have to, like, be honest and step outside of myself a little bit and recognize that of that group, I'm definitely the one that leans the furthest down this spectrum, (laughs) right? Sure, okay. Like, I've got a bunch of cast iron pants from 1910 that I, like, lovingly restored, and I ride the bike, and, you know, I I got the mustache, and I don't really do ironic, or uh, ironic, I don't really have clothes that would fit this definition so much, I guess besides the short shorts, which, Mm -hmm. like, again, the short shorts, like, I don't know, like, I genuinely... I feel like I look like a child wearing, like, athletic shorts that, like, come down to my knees. Like, I feel like it's a goofy thing. Like, the well, thing... Well, there's... That, this is another discussion is <clears throat> men's summer wear is, is not where I want it to be. Like, you... <laughs> once it gets hot... Like, look, I do great in jeans. Jeans are great. Uh, general, like, long pants. No problem. Once we get into shorts for men, it's just degrees of goofy. There's no not goofy version of shorts for men. I have like cutoffs on right now. You're probably wearing either like uh, your your panties or your short shorts. Like there's not there's not a lot of in between where you're just like, oh, that is a that's a good looking short on a man. Maybe maybe I'm biased because I I feel this awkwardness about it, but I don't know. I don't know about summer wear for men. See, not I, where like I want it to sartorially be. minded people, uh, I would say clothes hipsters uh, would tell you that you should never wear shorts as a man. That's not like appropriate you're supposed to cover your legs at all times basically uh, i personally think there's definitely a cut of short and a length of short that looks good 
for all for all men. You can find that. You can find that golden cut somewhere. It is also, hard. Also, some of us have a real hard time in the heat. I can't deal. I can't put pants on and go outside. I can't even. I can't deal with anything above eighty degrees. This is too much for me. Yeah. I need a short. Yeah. So wear shorts then. Just do it. I do. Can I, I recommend think... some extremely breathable ranger panties? Uh, that's no, thank you. I don't need that. They're very breathable. I, also, sometimes you're you're a degree of furry where you need to, you need a little bit more to cover up. I don't. Oh, think that's I need, me too, my man. <laughs> I don't think I need that much fur hanging out there. I'm good. Always think about what people think about you. I get I'm, it. I'm I get tr- it. I'm trying to make some friends over here. Okay. Oh, that that's where we're that's where we differ. <laughs> I don't want people to, people to hunt me in the woods. <laughs> <sighs> so anyway. That kind of brings me to the second idea about hipsters and how they are defined uh, that is interesting to me. I'm like 90% sure I got this directly from John Hodgman. Uh, I, I couldn't say with 100% certainty because this is an idea that I heard many, many years ago. But whenever I heard the idea, I internalized it as John Hodgman's idea of what a hipster was. And this is specifically a distinction between hipsters and nerds, because I do think it's a pretty blurry line, right? Like... If the thing, I think if you I think if you squint sometimes you can miss it. If the, well it's it's the the sort of like the the signifiers of the culture are very distinctive, but the way in which you relate to the culture is very similar, right? Like if whether you're if you're really into something and you're passionate about it and it's not a thing that fits into sort of the pop culture definition, uh, it's either you know like pour over coffee and like track bicycles in which case you become a hipster or mm-hmm. it's like anime and star trek and uh, uh correcting women on the internet and then you become a nerd <laughs> uh and uh shots that's fired that's sorry nerds of, yeah uh, okay no but so i and i think the way that john hodgman described this distinction was that he felt that being a nerd about something or a geek about something however you want to describe it being uh a nerd about something was sort of defined by your desire to spread the love of the thing that you like, right? Like a nerd is somebody that will corner you at a party and they will tell you why the next generation is the best series of Star Trek and go into the depth of all the characters and what makes it so significant culturally and socially. Or they'll corner you at a party and they'll say, if you're going to get into anime, here are the here are the movies to watch first that are really going to like you know explain what's great about the genre. They're going to tell you about their favorite video game and why you got to play it. Uh, and that's kind of the defining feature Whereas a hipster, like, definitionally, like, their main mode is not wanting other people to like what they like. And so they are not on a mission to to spread the love. They are on a mission to, like, make it seem inaccessible uh, or mm-hmm. make it seem somehow exclusive to like the thing that, they, that, that they'd like. Is that something yeah. that kind of resonates with you? Yeah, for sure. The, like, uh, I, w- I want to spread the word versus I like an obscure thing. And there's there's value in liking an obscure thing. I think that tracks. I get that. And so by that definition, though, I love to share the things that I'm excited about. And there's, there are some nerdy I know, things I was about and to there say, are some you, hipster you things. Fit the visual description, you fit the visual description of a hipster, but you don't fit that definition of a, descript, of a, of a hipster, you know? No, yeah. Well, I do in some senses in that I do, I do have this little part of me that gets like a little bit sad when a thing that I like, and I'll tell people about things that I like, right? I will try and spread the word in my little tiny sphere that I have. This is like half of what this whole podcast is. All of the podcasts that end in this thing is good. That's me trying to share things that I love. Uh, So that's something I'll do willingly. But there is definitely a part of me that like, when something goes a little too mainstream, I'm like, ooh, I don't know about this anymore. I I get kind of this like sinking feeling of... Ooh, well, here's a question. Is there there part of that that is 
practical? And is there part of that that is just the annoying hipster thing? And this this might be getting further down the path of there's no such thing as a hipster or whatever. But like I, I know that feeling. But for me, like the practical side of that as I grow older and not just being like a kid who wants to prove to somebody that I've discovered a thing is that sometimes things get a little bit too popular and they either get ruined or you can't get tickets to see them anymore. Uh, and so it's like yeah. a very practical thing of like, if you like it, you can't like, it can't be tainted by the world because it's going to be turned into something else. I mean, obviously there's, there's like the, you're a sellout thing, which is a stereotype, but also like, that's a real thing. Uh, and then there's the obvious of like, once it gets so popular, everyone enjoys it. Uh, in some settings, you just don't get to enjoy it anymore. To, you don't. Yeah. There's no way to buy tickets to. You can't buy tickets to go see Post Malone anymore. That would have been an easy thing to do two years ago or whatever. I understand. Right? Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I could say for me, honestly, it is not the practical thing at all. I wish it was because that would be more defensible. Mm-hmm. Uh, like what it truly is is that I I consider like my taste to be a big part of my identity. Uh, it's a thing that I'm in control of. It's a thing that I feel like I've worked on and tried to hone. It's something that I'm proud of. Like I, again, it, case in point, this show, like I like the things that I like and I like to explain why I like them because I put some thought into it. And that to me is like part of a, a big part of like how I outwardly present myself to the world, the things that I choose to like and sort of be a part of. And so yeah. what gets me when something gets too popular is that like that identity gets either diluted or completely misrepresented. Uh, like, for example, I'm the kind of person that's been, like, listening to Chance the Rapper since 10 Day, and then yeah. when Chance the Rapper it puts out Acid Rap, it gets a little more popular. I'm like, this is great. It's still really good. Then he puts out his first album on a label and gets even more popular. Then he puts out Coloring Book, and now, like, every, like, bro dude at a party is talking about how Chance the Rapper is, like, the best rapper since Tupac, and you, I just, like, roll my eyes in the back of my head so hard, and I'm like, now I look like this person that just likes Chance the Rapper because they're like a, uh, because Chance is like a rapper that uh, doesn't scare white people, right? Yeah, and, and you, sure. And, and you get like the the kind of bro or whoever that like likes the music because they're not, they're not offended or like challenged by it. Uh, and it, it like, I lose that part of me. I can no longer be the person that says like, hey, here's this music that you've never heard of that I really like. And I, I don't think I feel... I feel a little proud that I found it and that it's like a special thing, uh, but I don't want to keep it a secret. It's just that when that don't keep it a secret thing goes totally to the other end of the spectrum and it becomes like a different kind of culture with a different kind of people associated with it, then I do feel like part of me has been lost a little bit. Like, I, I feel this way by The Room. I still have not seen the, the Disaster Artist, The Room movie, because like, I love, that. I love that movie so much and I shared it with like, dozens of people in person and like thousands of people via this podcast uh like it's a, and, and hundreds and hundreds of people on twitter like i talk about that movie a lot it's something is kind of really important to me because i think it's very interesting and like fascinating uh but once you know james franco makes a movie about it and there's npr articles and articles in new york times about this guy it's totally wacky guy you never you can't believe what he does all of a sudden i'm like now i just seem like you know every other person that read that New York times article and was like, you won't believe this crazy guy. And it's like, no, I've been, I've been there since the beginning, my man. Like, and that is such a hipster thing to say. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I did have the practical version of this happen to me where like, like for example, a few years ago, I went to see John Mulaney do his whole stand-up set. And I was like one of like 40 people in the room. And I've spent like 10 bucks. And then recently he came to Philadelphia and it was like 150 bucks a ticket. It's already sold out. And even if I had gotten tickets in time, it would have been like 300 bucks. I think, this is unfair. 
I've, I've liked this guy for a long time. No one knew who he was. No one listened to me or care or come to the show. And now I can't, I can't even get a ticket. This stinks. Unfair. I should get some sort of, I should get uh, some sort of wristband or something. And you got somebody at a party telling you about a horse in a hospital. Hey, you don't have to tell me about a horse in a hospital. Also, that's one of the newer jokes, Andy. I'm talking about his old stuff. No, I know, but someone will, will, <laughs> will get you at a party and start telling you about the new thing as if it's this revelation to them. And you're like, you're like, you, you don't understand me. You've missed you've missed a whole part of my personality and this like thing that identifies me. Yeah. And I don't know, like maybe that's unhealthy, right? Maybe no part of my identity should come from the things that I like. But I, I feel like that's. I don't know. I feel like that's the the privilege of a society where we get to have art. Like if if art's going to exist, then you know, I feel like there's no value to it if we don't give it some kind of greater meaning. And yeah. to me, that's a lot of the meaning that I you know put into stuff. Uh, and so so yeah, like when that stuff goes mainstream, I definitely have that like cringy hipster reaction of being like, I've been there since day one. I was there mm-hmm. when no one else liked it. You know, you're just a bunch of hangers on uh, and a bunch of joiners and you don't understand what's really great about it. Uh, and I, I don't know if that's tied to like a specific I don't think it's tied to like a specific amount of people loving something. I think it's tied to the way in which they love it. Right. Like I have yeah. this profound uh, appreciation for the room and everyone else now has like the passing fascination with it with like, can you believe how bad that movie is? He says words wrong. Well, you know, it's funny. That's a that's a very hipster culture thing, but that is also a huge sports culture thing. This is not a specific. This is not specific to hipsters. You mean like, like when a team wins a championship and all of a sudden, yeah, the bandwagon, the yeah, the bandwagon fan thing. Like, so the, I I feel like this is just like people who pay their dues. They want something for it. Uh, it feels really bad to uh, stick with something for a long time, and then then when your number comes up, everybody's number comes up, and you're like, oh, nothing for me. I've been here the whole time. So I feel like this is not necessarily just a hipster thing. Yeah, I mean, it depends how you use the word, right? Like, I guess there could be a sports hipster if you're like, I've been cheering for the... I've had Cubs season tickets since, you know, the 60s, and they never won anything, and then I was there when they won the World Series, right? Well, uh, that's, that's not being a hipster. That's loyalty. That's just... I think that's just well, loyalty. No, no, no. So that is loyalty. The question is, yeah. is that person then mad at all the people wearing the fresh new Cubs caps they just bought the year they won the World Series, or are they just... Usually, yeah. Or are they Usually just happy like, that everyone is sharing in the love of that thing they also love? Uh, I think everyone gets annoyed by the person who shows up as soon as things are good and then talks to you like they've been there the whole time. I don't... I don't think there's anybody who enjoys that feeling. Well, if, but if they don't misrep- if they don't misrepresent the fact that that you know they they're new to it, right? If they're like, hey, I never Actually, followed baseball, true. but like you know, I'm really I'm really excited they won, and I bought this hat, and I you know I moved to Chicago last year or whatever. Like you know, somebody mm. that has no like profound roots or like stakes in the game. I I strive. I'm to trying be- to think if that's annoying or not. That's that seems better, but it still seems it's, annoying. It's, it does. Seem, <laughs> I think the fact that it seems annoying to us, like that's something I'd like to work on about myself. Yeah. Because okay. I, I wish I could embrace people like that with more of just open arms, uh, but I don't know. I just it. it but does... also, don't you feel self conscious when you're like brand new into a thing? Like I feel like you'll be like, "All right, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna slowly work into this. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like pretend I'm something I'm not. I'm gonna respect the culture around me. I feel like if if you understand that idea, you can at least approach it a little bit more delicately, right? Well, yeah, I think I think it it might just come down to like how much you make this thing a part of your identity or not, right? Like I wouldn't because these things are so uh, sort of essential to how I think about my relationship to the outside world. Mm-hmm. I would never like go from zero to a hundred on a brand new thing and pretend like I was there from the beginning and you know buy a bunch of swag because it would feel 
totally fake to me. It would like, I would feel like a fraud doing it. And so I think there's this projection of you see someone else doing it and you're like, oh, you must be a fraud. When in actuality, <laughs> they just probably have a much healthier sense of self and are not like wrapping up their entire idea of who they are in the sort of things they like. And all of a sudden, yeah, if his team wins the World Series, I'm excited for them. I'll buy a Cubs jersey so I can remember they won the World Series. And, you know, over in the corner, I'm like, you know, seething or whatever because I, I, I'm just projecting my own like values for how I would like the the bar I would hold something to before I would outwardly support support a, like a cultural phenomenon uh, is mm-hmm. a very high bar, and for some people the bar is a lot lower. And I I don't think it's a I don't think it's any worse. I just think it's people are just different, uh, and so I don't know. I think that I don't know. That's like the John Hodgman like area of hipsterism. Are you excited to share a thing you're ner- you're nerdy about? Are you glad more people like it, or uh, do you kind of like wish they would stop and like? you know, give you your credit for being the most special snowflake. And for me, it depends on the thing, right? Like, like I said, almost everything I'm happy to share. I love sitting down and teaching someone how to play magic. I love sitting down and giving somebody a list of my favorite podcasts. I've like, I've developed like a kind of like a little, like a, like a, what's it called? What's a thing called where you answer a bunch of like questions that are all binaries and you answer a certain number of them and you get to this a dichotomous key. Is that what it's called? Uh, that, I'm not familiar with that. You ever do these what in school where it's like you, you pick up a bug and the first <clears> question is like, is the bug big or small? And you say like small. And they're like, does the bug have six legs or more? And you like, and you work your way through. And after answering like six or seven questions, you can identify any bug. This is not new to you. Oh, okay. Uh, that sounds vaguely familiar. I didn't have a term for that in my brain. I think it's called a dichotomous key, but no, I'm not sure. Either way, I have this system worked out for podcasts now where if somebody's like, Oh, I don't really listen to podcasts, and you, I, you, you're talking about how much you love them. Like, what do you like about them? And I'll explain what I like about them. And if they, ex- if they express interest in wanting to listen to podcasts, I have like a few I'll give them, and I'll be like, listen to these. They're all very different. And then come back and tell me which ones you liked and didn't like, and then we'll go mm-hmm. further down these branches of this tree. We'll hone in because I believe there's a there's podcasts for everybody, Matt. Everybody out there, there would have their life enhanced by listening to a podcast or two. There's something made oh, yeah. for everybody, and I think it's just a matter of like it's still a very dense world that it's very difficult to find your way through. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah. Anyway, I'll share a lot of stuff like that. Like I'm happy. I love doing that. Uh, but then James Franco makes a movie about the room and, you know, goes on the interview circuit uh, talking about Tommy Wiseau. And I just feel like, ugh, get me off this ride. I don't want to be a part of this anymore. Hmm. See, that one didn't bum me out. I was excited that it was being picked up and I get to watch a movie about it. And then I did go watch a movie and I had fun. I'm sure I would have fun watching it. It's so that been... was actually that was actually fine. I pre-ordered the book, The Disaster Artist. I got it on release day. I'd pre-ordered it eight months before it came out. I believe you. I know. I know, I know about you in the room. I know. Uh, you, you have, I'm sure you have it in recording somewhere. You've been recording stuff forever, so everything's written down. We trust you. Um, so here's a question, Matt. So, here's, here's how we'll wrap it up. Okay. Unless, unless you have something to say. What were you, you going to say? Well, I was going to say, I feel like we're getting closer to the idea that, like, I the idea that there are these just these people around that are just being annoying, doing things that they hate just to make you upset. Like I think that I think we can maybe dismiss that as not actually a real thing. I'm saying and straw just, man. Yeah, I think I think we're just getting closer to the idea that um, you're certainly going to see somebody with their Winnie the Pooh shirt. Chances are they actually just like Winnie the Pooh and don't care what you think. Uh, you certainly will confuse a nerd for a hipster from time to time. And you also certainly will find someone who is annoyed that the thing that they like is too popular now. But <clears throat> I feel like the idea of calling someone hip, hip, a hipster is to insult them. And all the things I just described don't sound that bad to me. Maybe the a thing, obscure thing in getting too popular is not the greatest personality trait. 
but also like a little bit hard to help. You invest in something, you want some return uh, instead of it just being ruined for you, right? Not, yeah. Not super, uh, not super hard to understand. Yeah, and, and my question is, do we think this thing, however we define it, wherever the borders are, is it like a useful counterculture? Like if you could snap your fingers tomorrow and either like, and just basically change the perception of hipsters so they were no longer the ironic, eye-rolly, elitist, you know, group of people that, you know, everyone perceived as trying to be cool. And that, that, yeah. That's what it comes down to. Everyone thinks they're trying to be cool and it's trying, not are cool, right? Yeah. Or not just like like things that, you know, are different than you. Uh, if we could change everyone's perception so that everyone just kind of saw them as like, you know, you're just somebody that likes something different. Uh, do we lose some kind of like valuable sense of like anti-culture there? Or is that just better for everybody if we begin to accept that as just a normal, a normal way of liking stuff? I don't know. I mean, honestly, I feel like it's just too broad to even say. Like, it's, I don't even think of hipster as a counterculture anymore. It's just such a broad and big group of people that fall into that category that i'm kind of like i don't know maybe everyone is except for our parents like who isn't you know uh so maybe it's helpful but i also think it's just gonna be uh it'll just be remembered as like a generation of people and then it'll be the next generation of people um i don't think it really matters that much do you think we have in our generation like a a counterculture uh yeah i think we have like a i think we have a million of them yeah uh but they're well i think i feel like ours are going to be politically related uh more so than like well i guess i guess cultural culture and politics kind of collide in that one yeah i think most of them are kind of rooted in politics you go back to the beat poets or the punk rockers or the you know whatever it all yeah. has a it all has a foot in politics i just feel like ours will be uh a very blunt version of that because of the, how evil our politicians are right now. Uh, yeah, I think there's a million countercultures, and they and a lot of them have to do with civil rights um, and just basic human decency. Yeah, yeah, I feel like I feel like like the Chapo Trap House thing is a counterculture, and I feel like uh, you know Flat Earthers is a kind of counterculture, and anti-vaxxers like it's I don't know. I mean, I guess it's well, not. Well, we're also getting we're also getting stuck in this this like weird this weird world where the counterculture, some of these countercultures, is are the culture now, or at least are the the dominant uh, controlling party. I, I uh, guess those are like more conspiracy theories than counterculture because there's not really culture about those things. Like, there's not. I know. There's I not don't know. art Maybe. about flat earthers or anti vaxxers Although, well, man, I don't know. There's like gun Nos culture. Track. There's a lot of you know. There is a lot of culture around those things. I may not feel like they're valuable, but I there's culture around it, you know? It's hard to say that there isn't. Flat Earth is going to be a culture. I mean, it's not really a culture. It's just a group of people that believe something. They don't have any... There's no culture surrounding it. Yet? Mm, I don't know. Maybe. We're going to watch a documentary in 20 years on, on whatever Netflix is called uh, about the, uh, the rise of the Flat Earthers. And the rise of their culture. Yeah. Anyway, hipsterism. Uh, if you listener think it's good, then I think it's bad. And if you think it's bad, then I think it's good. We just don't want it getting too popular. If it gets too popular, we can't enjoy it anymore. Yeah. Hey, Matt, I don't think we have any... We're not in any danger of our podcast becoming so... If you like this show, you are such a hipster. Oh, you, oh yeah. You, you got it on the ground floor. You, you're digging that deep alt media 
You're like one, true. you're one of a very elite group of people. You can lord this over all your friends. That's true. We are obscure enough that no matter who you are listening to this, you're definitely listening to something hip and obscure and cool, and you can uh, you can take that to the bank. Or you're one of our moms. Hi, moms. Well, I mean, they can be hipsters too in this sense. I suppose. I think they just listen because they like us, though, not because they have taste in deep alt media. Well, they de- they made us happen. Maybe they uh, maybe they had taste and they developed this this sort of awesome podcasting dynamic. Well, we, I don't know. We have only our mothers to thank. Yeah, there you go. The rest of you, bunch of hipsters. <sighs> you should, if you've if if you're in a thrift store ever and you see a big Garfield sweatshirt, you should buy it for me. Oh yeah, Andy would hate that. It's gonna push all of his buttons. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I mean mm-hmm. that's actually like. If you're going to celebrate Garfield, the way to do it is a sweatshirt. Sweatshirts are fine. It's the comic that's bad. Wait, do you... I can't remember where you fall. You like Garfield as merch, you just don't like it as a comic? Oh, I think I think Garfield merch can be good. It depends on whether the merch is well-designed and well-made. Uh, the comic like, is bad. Yeah. It's a bad comic. Okay. But, all you right. know, could be a nice sweatshirt, is all I'm saying. All right, I'll get you a Garfield stuffed animal and a sweatshirt and... I don't know. There's all kinds of bachelor party and wedding presents to get you, right? Oh, boy. Buckle up. <laughs>